Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Today, as we, we turn towards a, a message for today and what I want to talk to you about today, we are ending our series on the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you have enjoyed the, the series on the fruit of the Spirit this summer? It's been pretty good. I have learned a ton studying this. Like, I, I will tell you this. I don't think I've mentioned this at all in the series. So when I, I grew up, my dad was a pastor. So I was a pastor's kid. That carries its own set of problems and, and wounds and stories. We can talk about those sometime. But uh, one of the things that was just kind of like, yeah, you know you're a pastor's kid when, um, that would always happen to me is uh, when I would like, you know, me and my sisters were constantly going at it when we were kids. So when I did something wrong uh, or I misbehaved, it was generally because, you know, I hit them, I stole something from them, gotten, you know, did something. I was always trying to figure out how to do something to pull the wool over their eyes, my, my two younger sisters, and we were uh, in conflict quite constantly as children. Um, one of the things that would happen to me is uh, my punishment as I got older is my parents would actually have me go to my room and sit down and I would have to write out this passage that we've been reading every week. And I would have to write it out like 10 times, sometimes 20 times. One time I had to write it out 100 times. I'm not really like sure if it was the most effective way. Maybe sometimes it was. Maybe for some things it was uh, to, to teach me uh, some consequences, but I'll tell you what, I have not ever forgotten this passage, that's for sure, um, is one thing. But So this passage is something that I, I've kind of always known, and it's been around, and I've written it out so many times, because I got in trouble a lot when I was a kid, uh, but it's never one of those passages that I've spent a ton of time digging really deep on what, it, what God's trying to teach me here. And so for me personally, I've learned so much in this journey and, and so today, as we wrap this series up today, um, I, I want to share a couple of things that are, are connected to this final, the final fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about, which is self-control. Um, and, and, and then just, we're going to kind of put a bow on this whole thing that we've been talking about uh, together. So nothing I've said maybe has any relevance to your life, but I have just shared it because that was on my mind. It really doesn't have anything to do with our message today, but that's okay. Um, Here's what I want to do. If you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. As we've read every single week during this series, um, I'd like us to read this again. You can follow along with me on the screen or on your Bible or Bible app. And let's read this passage in Galatians together. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, 
envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against any of these things. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we come into this final week of this series, I I ask that um, you would turn the light bulb on for those of us that, that have not had something click for us yet. In this, in this scripture passage. And Lord, I, I pray as we uh, unpack this today that we would know how deeply you care for us, how deeply you love us. And, and this would uh, start some kind of planting of something new in our lives that we've been searching for. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, how many of you like vacation? You will go on some good vacations this summer. Uh, some of you have, some of you haven't. Um, some of you have some coming in the future. Um, I, I remember one vacation in particular. It was about five years ago that Jillian and I went on. We went down to St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. It was wonderful. And we enjoyed our trip there. Get out on the beach the first day and we have this like beautiful, calm beach, and uh, we're, we're just sitting there enjoying the water and the warmth of the water and getting out and just relaxing and reading and falling asleep, just all the good stuff you do when you're on the beach, right? For those of you who like, like the beach, it has all the things. And we were enjoying this beach life on day one of our Caribbean vacation, and then suddenly sheer horror dawned on us that we had stopped putting sunscreen on and not reapplying after like the first couple of hours, not thinking about how much you really need to apply when you're that close to the equator and the sun is that hot on you. And by the end of the day, we had realized that our lack of discipline about putting sunscreen on had caused us to turn about as red as the chairs you're sitting in. Um, That's not an exaggeration. That's not an exaggeration. It was so bad, guys. It was so bad that uh, one of the days we, we rented this uh, like Jeep Wrangler, had the top down. We're so excited to explore. We couldn't be on the beach again because it was just too painful to be on the beach right now. We're like over-applying like aloe vera everywhere because we were just burned that much and it hurt. And I'm sitting there trying to drive this Jeep around these precarious island coastline roads and my feet were so badly burned that I was trying to like hide my foot as I'm on the gas, like trying to hide my foot farther under like the dashboard so it was like in the shade and not directly in the sun. As soon as any part of my body was directly exposed to sunlight, it felt so painful. And we learned our lesson, and the next year when we went, again, 
we were applying sunscreen like probably every 15, 20 minutes. It was probably overkill. And it was like SPF 50, maybe like SPF 5,000. I don't know if they had that. But just as like, if we could put straight zinc on our face, we were just going to do that. And, and we were not going to get burned again. And thankfully, if it was a much better time and we weren't like walking around like this, trying to make sure we didn't move too much. Uh, and, and we did not turn as red as the seats. But sunscreen is like that. When you use it, when you have it on, you're protected. But when you don't, you're in pain. When you have sunscreen on, you're protected, but when you don't, you're in pain. And you can think about our final aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, in kind of the same way. It's very similar to sunscreen. When you use it, when you use self-control, you are protected. When you don't, you're in pain. I was reading a book, I'm still kind of going through a book right now on, on regret and the power of regret. Uh, and, and there was a world regret survey that the author of this book did. Most comprehensive uh, focus groups surveys on regret and, and what kind of regrets people have in their lives. And, and I listened, as, as I was going through this book, I was listening to it on audio, and listening to story after story after story of folks who are paying the cost at a later stage in their life for not making decisions with self-control earlier in their lives. This is just one of the things that was talked about in this book. Just story after story about uh, people having now no retirement plan, having uh, poor health because of habits and decisions they had when they were younger. They're estranged from various family relationships uh, because of different things related to their poor decisions. And self-control is very much like that sunscreen. When you use it, you're protected. When you don't have self-control in your life, you're in pain. Self-control really is not a popular topic today, honestly. You don't uh, go on the street or turn on the radio or go to the self-help section of the bookstore and find a lot of books on how to control yourself. It's more about like, well, how do you fulfill yourself? How do you find happiness with what you feel like doing? That's most, more of what we find today. Uh, one of our highest virtues as a society is to live authentically. Well, what do you feel like doing? What will make you happy? And, and sometimes those can be clues to how God has created you and God's calling. And, and sometimes uh, they, they can just be things that are feeding our excess, feeding indulgence, overindulgence, bad habits that we're going to learn that we regret later in life. Uh, one obvious example of this, I think, in a lot of ways, is how much credit card debt a lot of us just kind of assume is normal to carry. And, and it's, it's amazing how, how many of us, instead of living within our means, uh, we, we have a, a charge-it culture that, that often we, we find ourselves living in and just like, well, I can get that, I can get that. And, and we don't restrain ourselves to, to live within our means. It's just a, one simple example. And, and, and this and, and the other examples I mentioned of regret related to health and, and relationships and career and, and education and retirement, all these kinds of things like that and, and other things, uh, and even how we follow Jesus, um, all of these things 
are, are, are just missed opportunities where, where people did not learn self-control, did not learn restraint. And, and now we are finding ourselves paying the price for those things later in life. And it's much like the pain that I experienced when I didn't use sunscreen. I wouldn't have noticed if I had just applied a little every couple of hours, every time I got out of the water or something like that. But instead, because I went that whole day not being consistent and, and showing some self-restraint and just taking that little bit of time, uh, I found myself in pain, much like we often do when we do not walk in self-control. Often, self-control makes us feel like we're being robbed of our freedom, our autonomy, our decision to make, de- our, our, our ability to make decisions freely. But honestly... Self-control is a great protection for our lives. And you and I could tell all sorts of stories, I'm sure, about if only I did this differently, if only I chose this instead of that, if only I wasn't so eager for this. But here's the good news that I want to share with you today as as we have uh, heard and as we read from Galatians 5 this morning, when the Holy Spirit is at work in your life, the Holy Spirit is empowering you with self-control. He's making self-control active and at work in your life. We don't have to be in pain anymore. We can be protected because of his work of self-control in our lives. I love talking about self-control. It says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. A city with broken down walls. Uh, Cities in in ancient times when Proverbs was written, cities with walls were really powerful. If you had a city with a wall, this was a place that was going to be able to prosper. People were safe there from attack. There's no police force. There's just robbers and raiders raiding and marauding the countryside. So if you didn't live in a walled city, you were not safe, secure, and protected. So Proverbs says that a a person without self-control is just like a city with broken down walls. A city back then with broken down walls would have meant three things. One, that the city had been conquered, been completely overrun, and the inhabitants of that city had no control over what happened. Second, it would mean that the inhabitants of that city had become enslaved. They were totally captive to someone else's will and they had no control. And three, those who were still living in the city were not safe because the walls were broken. And it was not a secure place to live. You had to get A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Uh, Beth Moore, a Bible teacher, she, she said this. She said, any person without self-control is either an accident looking for a place to happen or a slave in chains? Are you an accident waiting for a place to happen? Have you ever been like that? I have totally been an accident waiting for a place to happen in my life. Do you know people who are like that? Do you know people who are like slaves living in chains? They just are are moving from one thing to the next, uh, addiction to addiction, whatever it could be, and they are not in control of what's happening, it seems. 
the walls of self-control protect us. It can be dangerous to live your life without the walls of self-control. And, and to live without self-control means, just like a city, a walled city, a, the walls are protecting what's valuable, self-control is protecting what is valuable in your life. Think about your relationships. Think about your relationship with God, your faith. Think about um, your finances. Think about your career, your education. Think about how not having some kind of restraint or self-control in those areas can destroy the very things that you value. In Galatians chapter 5, there's this word, self-control. And in the Greek language, it's this word, egkratia is the Greek word, and it means self-control is how it gets translated. It can mean restraint. Uh, There's variations of this word that mean excellence and something that is very excellent, most excellent. Anything that's connected to self-control is always connected to something being excellent, something that's wise, uh, something that's very prosperous uh, because it's well-protected. It's something well protected. Now, just like the word up has an opposite of down, egkratia in Greek has a word that literally means the opposite. It's a, uh, my, my, the teachers in the room are going to correct me. Antonyms? Is that what they're called? Yes. O- opposites, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you to my teachers in the room. Uh, and the opposite, the antonym of akratia is akrasia or akrasia. And it literally means excess, indulgence. It's, it's basically no holds bar, just kind of let it happen. I'm going to just like binge a little too much on this or that or the other thing. And, and these two words uh, could not be more opposite. What the Spirit wants to do in our lives is ekkratia. And often, what, if we're left to our own devices and desires, what we would tend to do is akrasia. And it sounds like you go crazy. So the life of the Spirit is, is displayed in, um, in self-control. You could call it self-mastery. And the life of the flesh, just kind of being left to our own desires, our own, our own indulgences, it's a life of excess. But it's a life where uh, we're not in control. We actually become slaves to the things that we're indulging in and having excess in. So... What do we do with this? What do we, how do we live uh, from what the Spirit wants to do in our lives, empower us so that we are protected, like that sunscreen or that city wall? What, what do you value in your life that you really think, this is a good thing God gave me? Because, you know, there's some things in our lives we think are good and they're not actually good for us. But genuinely, like, you've got some good things in your life. You've got healthy, maybe not the most healthy sometimes, but there are good relationships that you want to, like, I want to care for this well. I, I want to have a good relationship with my siblings, my friends, my, my, my parents, my, my children, whatever it is. I, I want my uh, career to be done in a really wise way. I, you know, I, I want to, whether you're new to faith or you've been uh, following Jesus your whole life, like, I, I want to follow Jesus well. There's something about God uh, that I think is for me, and, I, and I'm trying to pursue that. So how can we live in a way to value those things that's more like egkratia, restraint, that protects those things that we love and value, instead of ekrasia, where we live in excess, and the walls 
around our lives are destroyed. I want to just present to you very briefly three truths about self-control that I think are going to help us better understand what it is uh, and, and what it's not and how the Holy Spirit wants to work self-control out in your life. And I know everyone came in this morning so excited to learn how to have more restraint and more self-discipline and more self-control. I know you woke up going, I really hope I am taught today how to show more self-restraint in my life. I'm just, God, please let that be what we talk about today. I know that's what you came in with. So thank you for that. Thank you. You guys know I'm being sarcastic, right? Some people don't know that's like my, my native tongue is sarcasm. And so it, it gets a little funny. I'm, I'm, be, I'm being a little bit facetious here. I'm joking around a little. But in, in, re, in reality, though, like really, like it's not something we love. We don't love self-restraint. I want to do what I want. This is the land of the free and the home of the brave, for crying out loud. Let me be independent and do what we want. But, but let, let me tell you, just like we just read, um, there are things about each of our lives that if we are not uh, following the great wisdom of God who made each and every one of you, he, he knows the most intricate part of, of your biology, of your psychology, of everything about your life. He made you in such a way he knows what is actually wise and best for you to live your life. And he, he understands the, the fundamental reality of how you can live that protected life and how you can destroy that life. And, and so this is from the Lord. And we want to like just trust him to go, okay, how can we be empowered to live in self-control? How can I be wise following God through self-control? So let's, let's go into this. Three truths uh, about self-control so you can better understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. You ready? First one, self-control is not puritanical living. Self-control is not puritanical living. How many of you watch shows like uh, Little House on the Prairie, stuff like that? Like, Ma and Pa said, I can't, we can't do anything fun on the Sabbath, so it's Sunday, so we just go to church and we just sit at home and be bored. Um, or or, or, or the, the whole uh, puritanical thing that came in, I'm from New England, so the Puritans are like, they're in my, my relatives somewhere there. But they come in, they want to establish this perfect city in these perfect towns when they leave England and they come to, to start new colonies. And they were just crazy strict. No one basically could have any fun. Uh, in Boston, around even the time of the Revolutionary War and even shortly after that, there were people whose job it was, they were part of the police force, and they would go around to see if anyone was still at home when all the churches were having services. Like, hey, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be at church. Like, hey, don't have too much fun. So self-control is not that. It is not puritanical living. Uh, it's not like, okay, if we're going to have self-control, we all need to take a vow of poverty now. We can't enjoy anything. Uh, if there's anything I like, I have to give it up because God must hate it because I like it. Uh, all of those kinds of things. You guys ever, ever have these thoughts in your mind? Just be honest, because I, I do all the time, right? Of just like, oh, I like this, so God must think it's the worst thing for me. Do you ever think about that? Sometimes it's the case that God has given you a really good gift and he wants you to enjoy it responsibly. He wants you to enjoy it as a mature adult or a maturing young adult, depending on where you are in your life journey. 
Did you know, uh, it, it, partying, and, and I'm using the term very, very loosely, celebration, ha- having fun, is something that God actually commanded his people to do in the Old Testament. You go, you go through like all of the Levitical laws. I know you guys spend a lot of time reading the Levitical laws. I don't spend a lot of time reading them. In the book of Leviticus, just start reading it sometime. I dare you. I dare you. Here's why. You go through, and yeah, there's a lot of strange rules about how you can't sew one kind of fabric onto another kind of fabric, and that's not a sermon for today. But then you start going, wow, he asks them to have a lot of feasts, a lot of festivals, a lot of celebrations, a lot of parties, constantly. Every week they had Sabbath. That was not a don't have fun today. They, they worshiped, they rested, they didn't work, they enjoyed the fruits of their labor. They spent time together with those that they had close relationship with. That sounds like a pretty good day, right? That ha- they had to do that every week. It's a gift for you. Jesus would say later, uh, man isn't made for the Sabbath. People weren't made to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath's made to serve you. So they would have that every week. Every month they would have a festival. And then they had three huge week-long parties in Jerusalem where they'd say, I don't care where you live, come to Jerusalem every year, and we're going to have this huge week-long party. That's what Passover is. Huge celebration of God setting them free. There'd be a ton of food, great drinks, there'd be music, there'd be dancing. That sounds like a pretty good time. You can say it sounds like a pretty good time even though you're in church, guys. So God is not interested in puritanical living. Did you hear me? Yes. Sometimes God, not sometimes, all the time, God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. We read that a couple weeks ago when we talked about goodness, right? Every good and perfect gift is from above. So if there's something good and enjoyable that God has given you in your life, you get to enjoy it. Praise God. That's awesome. Here's here is the, the shift, though, and, and how I want you to understand this. So self-control is not puritanical, but here's the thing. The gift that the master gives you, you are not to become mastered by. Let me say that a, a different way. Uh, there are gifts that God gives us. The gifts are not to become God to us. Do you hear the difference? Enjoy the heck out of that gift that God has given you. Do not let the gift become your God. That's where excess takes over. If we become slaves to these good things, we have stepped into not showing self-control. And we have actually tarnished this good gift that God's given us. We haven't stewarded it well. So so we need to understand that there's so much uh, good that God is giving us, doing with us, enjoy it, celebrate it, but understand it in its proper place. It is a gift, not the giver of gifts. It is a a good thing. It is not the source of all good things. I I, uh, heard one pastor put it this way, like you enjoy the water coming from a river, right? Uh, You're able to use it like, to, for, for drink, drinks or, or you float down the river, however you're going to enjoy this river. Um, but if you were to take the water out of that river and take it home, it's only going to last you for a little time before you're going to 
be out of water and you're going to need to go back to get more, right? And, and sometimes gifts, we, we treat them as if they are the source of the river. We're going down to the river and we're just taking water, we're enjoying the water, but, but we don't recognize that these gifts are, are just the flow of the river, but they're not the source of the, of the water. There's a spring somewhere. And from that spring is where all things are flowing. So enjoy the gift. Enjoy the, the river, if you follow that, that uh, analogy. But don't confuse it to be the source. Does that make sense to you? Are you with me? You can nod your head. Make sure, I, I really want to make sure I explain that well to you. So self-control is not puritanical. Yeah, but at the same time, right, uh, we, we need to understand that there are things that God has said, this is not good for you. So, so we have good gifts that God's giving us all the time, things to enjoy, but sometimes there are things that we want to do, ways we want to act, uh, and different things like that, that we are commanded and asked by Jesus not to do, not to engage in, not because he's a killjoy, but because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Like I said, he knows your biology better than any doctor. He knows your psychology better than any therapist. He understands how you are wired because he made you. And he knows what is best for us and what will destroy us. So there are things that he says to restrain from. There's commands throughout scripture. There's commands of Jesus. In Galatians 5.13, which is just before this passage that we've been reading every week, Paul writes, he's like, you've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't now use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Serve one another in love. So the main uh, inference of this word, ekratia, that means self-control, it actually has to do with sexual restraint. Uh, but, it, but it goes beyond that. We're, we're still, even though... Uh, Self-control is not puritanical. We're still told and, and taught to follow the commands of Jesus regarding sex, regarding money, regarding forgiveness of our enemies, regarding loving our neighbor, regarding various things that the scripture describes as, as sin. Self-control from the Holy Spirit empowers us to enjoy good gifts from God without being mastered by them. And it also empowers us to be able to say no to what we are called to say no to and yes to the things that Jesus is calling us to say yes to. So self-control is not puritanical. Second, self-control is not self-determination. A lot of times, for some reason, we get through all of the, these different aspects of the fruit of the Spirit and uh, we get to the, this one, self-control, and everyone at the same time, including me, this is why I know this happens, we get to self-control and we go, right, this is the one I do by myself. Like, God will give me, make me more loving, God will do this, God will make me more joyful, he'll make me more gentle, and now I've got to, like, have my self-determination and I've got to make this all happen now. Self-control is not self-determination. The two can be very easily confused. Um, those of us who are really good at following checklists 
and performing to a certain expectation or standard. Standard. I know you're in the room listening this morning. Those of us who are really good at, at that, we grab hold of self-control and we think it's self-determination and we go, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be the most loving. I'm going to be the most gentle. I'm going to follow all the commands. I'm never going to do anything I'm not supposed to do. And, and what we're actually doing, when we perform like that, we are actually trying to follow Jesus in our own, our own strength out of our, our old, what, what Paul says in there, our, our flesh. Our flesh is, we don't have time to get too deep into this today, but like our old nature, before we knew Jesus, there was an old you before you knew Jesus that once you come to Jesus, dies on the cross with Jesus. Paul says that we, our sins are nailed to the cross with Jesus. Our old life is nailed to the cross and we're a new creation. So when we try and do things in our own strength, what we're doing is we're trying to pick back up that old life to try and behave our way into the kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying, guys? You with me? Okay. Is this... You okay? I want to, okay, I'm getting like deer in headlights. I just want to make sure this actually makes sense. So, so here's what happens. If we're going to do self-determination instead of self-control, uh, self, uh, what happens here is when we mess up, when we're doing self-determination, I got to do it, I got to perform, here's what I can do, here's what I can't do. When we mess up, we are so hard on ourselves and we destroy ourselves because we've made it so much about what we can and can't do. I'm going to perform. I'm going to do all the work. And then when we can't do it, we either say, well, I can't be a Christian. I'm out. Or we get filled with shame and then we hide all the mistakes we've made and the sins. And we don't talk. We can't. No one can know. No one can know I did this because I've, I've got I've to show that I, I can follow Jesus just like them. Or, or when, we be, when we're doing self-determination instead of living out of self-control, when we really succeed at following the do's and don'ts, what, the other side of this is we get really arrogant and prideful. And when someone is struggling and not able to do it on their own, we go, why can't you do it? I did it. Just, just get it together. And we get arrogant and we get uh, full of pride and, and we're not approaching our brothers and sisters in Jesus with gentleness and compassion. And then when we try and follow Jesus through self-determination, the other thing that this means, whether we fail or whether we're really good at performing and we succeed, we become addicted to our own performance. And everything is based on how well I can do and we're constantly measuring ourselves against what uh, other people are not doing. And we're not actually looking to God as our, our, our measuring Thing. And he, he's not actually the one that's like showing us what we need. I'm just saying, okay, I'm doing better than everyone else. Essentially, self-determination is about our power. What I can do or what I'm not able to do. Self-control is about the Holy Spirit's power. Which would you prefer to use? I love this quote. Seek a larger measure of the Holy Spirit's influence. Rules of discipline alone will prove insufficient to govern and purify the mind. 
If we are not taught by divine grace, we shall learn nothing aright. It's from a pastor by the name of John Thornton from uh, many years ago. Rules of discipline alone will prove insufficient, he said. Behavior modification is not enough. Okay, here's what I can do, here's what I can't do. That's not what this is about. When we're under the Holy Spirit's uh, influence, it is so much more for you and I. It is not about behavior modification. It's not about following the rules. It is about your life being completely different and changed. Church, I'll say this right now. Some of you are new. Some of you have been with us since we started this campus. Church is not about following the rules that God commanded. Church is about letting God completely change you into a new person. Not by your power, not by your self-determination, but by the Holy Spirit being allowed to work in your life. And you are the only person who can give the Holy Spirit permission to work in your life. I can't force it. I can't control it. You have to say yes to him. And then the next day you say yes again. And the next day you say yes again. And then you get community involved in your life. Life group people, pastors, mentors, other Christians that can help you in the struggle. And then you say yes again. And you say yes again. And you say yes again. And you say yes again. You see, self-determination is not what saves any of us. Following the rules doesn't save any of us. The Spirit empowering you with self-control leads to what we're talking about. Self-determination is based on behavior, uh, on on modified behavior. Self-control is based on changed desires. Imagine actually having different desires than the ones you have now. The ones you know, like, I'm not supposed to want that. I'm supposed to be different. We just like stuff it and we hide it. What actually we need to do while it's in the desire stage and it hasn't yet given birth to sin, like James says in his letter to the church, what you need to do is take that desire and start confessing that desire to other Christians. Here's what I really want to do, but I don't want to do it. You have to start asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I don't want to do anything you're asking me to do. Will you help me have desire to want to do that. Self-determination is based on behavior modification. Self-control is based on changed desires. That's how deep God wants to work in your life. Your desires are completely different. The things you want out of life are different. Self-determination is burdened by what I am not because you're constantly comparing yourself. Self-control is just not burdened. Self-determination is, uh, self-determination in that situation, uh, a person is a slave to performance. You have to perform. You can't let anyone see what's really going on. I gotta show up and I've gotta save face. Self-determination, those living in that are slaves to performance, but self-control In self-control, one knows that they already belong to Jesus. There's nothing to perform for. You already belong to Jesus. 
Self-determination is focused literally on the self. What I can do, what I can't do, following these rules, not following these things. Self-control has literally died to the self. It's been crucified with Christ. So self-control is not self-determination. What God wants to do in your life is so much deeper than just get you to follow a different set of rules because you go to church now. He wants to change you at the level of your desires. The things that you are hungry for in life, the things that you want to see, he wants to change those things. That's a deep work. It takes time. It doesn't change overnight. But it's the daily yes to the Spirit that begins to pave the way. One more, finally. Self-control is not puritanical. Self-control is not self-determination. But self-control is led by the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, the verses right after what we've been reading every week, verse 24 and 25, it continues and says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Just pause real quick on that thought. Do you hear what I just said? Think about all of the stuff that you often are ashamed of or the stuff I like to, I, I think about this like I take this very lightly. I don't take myself too seriously as you guys know. Um, but some of you are laughing because you know that's very true. But, but here's the thing. I'm, a, I'm very painfully aware sometimes that being a pastor, there's sometimes uh, things that people in my own church just are terrified to even tell me about their life. And that's sad on one point and one side of things, but I understand. I understand because there's been such this perception of why aren't you better coming from the church or coming from pastors? So, so I'm, I'm sensitive to it, and I'm, I, but, I, but I want to, because I'm sure for each and every one of us, there are desires, there are passions that you're, you're probably ashamed to talk about, ashamed to, to, to share with me or with other people you know that are Christians, but I just want you to picture those things right now. Or maybe there are things that are out there, but you're just wrestling with, and you've been wrestling with these desires and passions for a long time. I want you to hear this again. Have those in mind. Close your eyes for a second. Close your eyes. Imagine what those passions and desires are that you know Jesus is like, hey, we gotta, we gotta get rid of this. Not through behavior modification. Listen to this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. And crucified them there. Keep your eyes closed for a second. Crucifixion is ugly. It's nasty. It was a horrific way of dying. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you say yes to Jesus. Jesus is saying, go ahead, let's nail those things to the cross too. Those things you can't escape, the things you feel like are just part of who you are, the, those, those issues you've been dealing with and family generations have been dealing with it, you just, like, there's no escape, you believe, nail it there to the cross. 
that means it's dead. And dead things don't work. But Paul goes on and he says this. You can open your eyes now if you want. He says this. Since we are living by the Spirit. So the old stuff's dead. I know it doesn't feel like it every day. But every day when those desires come up, you're going to be like, no, no, that's dead. I nailed it. Why are you getting off the cross? I nailed you there. I'm not even kidding. Start talking to your, to your sins. Start talking to those desires that way. At, invite Jesus into that prayer time. And, and just be like, no, no, no. What are you doing here? You're dead. Go back. Be dead. That's the work of the Holy Spirit self-control coming out in your life. It'll pop in your mind this week. I know it's going to. And you'll be like, hey. You're dead. I nailed you there, and I'm nailing you again there today. So Paul continues and says, Now, since that's all dead, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. When you and I said yes to following Jesus, when we became Christians, if that's where you're at on your journey, if, you're, if you say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm following Jesus, the moment that happened, You are no longer managing yourself to try and look like Jesus. What actually happened is that old you doesn't exist anymore. It's it's gone. It's dead. It doesn't exist. There is a new you. We joke a lot and say, new year, new me. But for real... When you said yes to Jesus, he's like, okay, you're new. That old stuff's dead. Keep nailing it there to the cross every day. But now you're new. And in this new life that you have, you can't use the, you can't use the reference points that you used to use for thinking and making decisions in your life. Because they they were tied to an old way of doing things, an old way of thinking. Jesus is trying to redo everything new in your life. So you've got to relearn a totally new way to navigate life. But it's not going to be through, okay, here's a checklist. Make sure you hit all these things today. It's going to be through being led and guided by the Holy Spirit. This is the best illustration I I know to explain this. And and we'll close in just a minute with this. Uh, How many of you have gone somewhere new that you've never driven before recently? Gone somewhere new? Yeah. And, and when, you, when you drive, did you use your phone like GPS or your car GPS or something like that? How many of you did that? Any of you do anything different? You just guess? You use your car GPS, right? So I love like Google Maps or something, especially if you've got that Apple CarPlay. Oh man, that's great. And, and it's just right there. I know right where I'm going. And most of the time, it's pretty good, and I'm a fairly intuitive person with directions, so that helps. Some of us are directionally challenged. I pray for you daily. Um, I, concern, I'm worried. Some, I have friends that are directionally challenged. I'm legitimately worried sometimes when they're going somewhere. Like I'm like, I don't think you're going to make it. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, guys. You know what I'm talking about. But anyway, so even though I'm fairly intuitive when it comes to directions, though, how many of you know sometimes with that GPS are like, wait, is it this, or is there another off-ramp like right after it? You know what I'm talking about? Especially in New Jersey. I'm not native to New Jersey. That's why I 
feel especially hard done by this. I'm like, there's all these U-turns and jug handles, and it's the cra- it literally exists nowhere else in the world. It's insane. Uh, but you're trying to follow your GPS sometimes in New Jersey as best you can, and sometimes when you're headed somewhere new, oops, I missed it. I missed that jug. You know what I'm talking about, right? Even with the GPS. So here's the thing. This is going to sound horrible. Life is sometimes like driving in New Jersey. <laughs> Life is sometimes like driving in New Jersey. With GPS, it's like we've got the scriptures, right? We've got all the data. We've got all the information. And I think I'm more or less applying this right in this situation. But even with that, sometimes we miss a turn. Now, how many of you have kept your GPS on, but you have a really good friend that you trust, and they say, hey, just follow me? How much easier is that? They're like, I'm going to stay right in front of you. I'll keep track of where you are. If I change lanes, you change lanes. We'll get there. How many of you find that so much easier? Or even the combination of the both. You've got the big picture, kind of broad sense of where we're going. Oh, look, he's getting in the other lane. I see, okay. And then we're able to follow. And you just follow that friend the whole way to your destination. I don't have to worry, is it this turn off? Is it the next turn off? I'm just following my friend because they know the way. They've done it thousands and thousands of times. When you are choosing to follow Jesus at the most basic level, this is what it's like. When you are giving up the old way of life, which is figuring it out on your own, the Spirit is now guiding you. Through New Jersey. The Spirit is guiding you through life. Yes, we have the scriptures. Yes, we have the commands of Jesus. We're paying attention to those things. But sometimes it's not enough. A lot of times it's not enough. And we need the person of the Holy Spirit empowering us, guiding us, leading us. Because what we're stepping into is a new creation. As new people. The old us has been nailed to the cross. None of us have a reference point for how to do this because we've never done this before. And so we need to learn how to be people who are paying attention to our friend. When the Spirit changes lanes, we change lanes. When they put their blinker on, we're putting our blinker on. When the Holy Spirit says, restrain yourself, we listen. When the Holy Spirit says, you need to forgive, time to forgive. When the Holy Spirit says, bite your tongue, you bite your tongue. And the daily friendship that you begin to develop with the Holy Spirit, daily yes, the daily saying, I'm nailing that old life to the cross. It's not just self-control that grows in your life. You find yourself more loving. There's more joy Let me tell you, when you are surrendered to the Spirit, there is incredible peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. When you live your life guided by the Spirit, you begin to manifest this harvest of all of these things in your life. When you let your friend, the Holy Spirit, guide you, as he does so well, paying attention to him, you'll find a richness to life. I'm telling you. You will find a richness in your life, a richness in relationships, 
Victory over stuff that you did not think was possible. Change desires, liking and enjoying things you did not think were even possible. Not because you followed the rules better, but because you allowed the Spirit to change you. So are you paying attention to the old self? Or are you following your friend? What are you doing in your day, each day, to actively say, I am nailing that old way on the cross? Naming specifics. And what are you doing each day to say, Holy Spirit, how do you want to lead me today? Bringing friends into it. Reading more of the scripture to be informed. We need all of these pieces to be well informed about how the Spirit's leading us. Spend time each day listening to his voice. Learning how he speaks uniquely to you. Because he speaks to all of us a little differently. And then just watch as he guides you into more fruit. More fullness. You want that? Do you want that? I'm not here to control anyone and force you to change your mind. But I pray you want it. I pray you want that. The team comes up, worship team comes up, we're going to take communion together. So if you have communion, you can get that ready. When we take this every week, When we take this every week, we are remembering that Jesus took our sin in his body on the cross. So as you take this today, just take a minute. Think about the things, the desires, the passions, the old way of life, the old you, that need to get nailed back on that cross with Jesus. I'm just going to take a minute the team can, can just play. If you could just play quietly, guys. Just take a minute before we take this. And we just spend, spend a minute. Ask the Holy Spirit. What am I supposed to nail to the cross again? What jumped off and tried to be alive again? got that in your mind, whatever God has told you about. And as we take his body, the bread, and remember his body, that he bore our sins in his body. And all our sins, the passions, the desires of our old ways have been nailed to the cross. Take and eat. same time he reminds us that his blood was shed not only did he take his our, our sins in his body and uh, nailed them to the cross his blood washed us clean 
purifying us, the Bible says, of all unrighteousness. Anything that was out of line with the way God designed us to live, he's washed us of all of it. So there's no more shame. There's no more guilt. There's no more hiding. It's time to live honestly in the light because you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. Drink this in remembrance of that. Would you stand? I want to pray for you and then we're going to just worship a bit to close. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you never stop chasing us. Thank you that you are delighting in us and you delight in us. And we just ask today for uh, a fresh opportunity to say yes to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Say yes to nailing things on the cross that need to be nailed there. And yes to following you, our friend. So as we worship, if you need space, sometimes we open up the front uh, here. There's nothing special about the front here, but it's just kind of an act and a, and a symbol and a sign for yourself with God and in, in the presence of community here to just say, God's calling me into something. Jesus is calling me into something, and I want to say yes to him. So if that's you, if you want to have space at the front while we worship, you're welcome to do that. And It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.